0: Thanks to Malt, This is Radio Brews News. My name is Matt Kirkegaard, founder of Australian Brews News, and as ever, I welcome back my good friend, colleague, and regular co-host, Pete Mitchum. Pete, welcome back. G'day, Matt. G'day, listeners. Mate, it's, been, it's just been a little while. Oh, well, we we did catch up uh, during the hottest one hundred, but it's been a little bit while since you've been in the uh, co-host seat with me.
1: Yeah, is it still? It's, it's is this a temporary thing, or is it vacant again? Or uh...
0: James did a very good job. I should. I, I did have a listen. He did well. I, I, now I didn't realise this, but our uh, Bruce news editor actually studied um, radio journalism. So uh, yeah, so he ha- has. It, it's just not new to him um, being in front of a microphone. But uh, yeah, no, it, it, he did a very good job, and uh, it was uh, it was actually great to uh, to have a chat to him about some of these things. We might need to get him on as a bit of a regular guest, um, talking about you know the the actual news um, to do with the the, the views that we espouse here.
1: But you mean like have an actual. Um, like not Soapbox, but...
0: Uh, a serious like a, journal. A
1: serious journal, yeah. News, <laughs> yeah. news report as part of uh, every second or third Radio Bruce News. <laughs>
0: like Kerry O'Brien. Yeah, yeah. To, to, to our, um, uh, I was going to say Statler and Waldorf, to our, uh, uh, um, the, the, what's the name of the, the two guys yeah. who... Yeah, Brian Clark and... Uh, oh, John Doyle Yeah, John Dore. Um That would be, uh, yeah, that, that's more our speed. But uh, mate, but how you been? Uh, but we'll, we'll, I guess we'll talk a little bit about the hottest one hundred um, as, as part of the intro. But um, I'm sure it'll come up in in passing. Yeah. Um, but how, how you been? What have you been up to? Did you have a good Christmas? Enjoy the holidays? All of that sort of thing?
1: Yep. Yep. All good. Had some um, a little bit of
0: time off, which was good, and lovely weather down here in Melbourne, which was lovely. Good beer drinking weather. Yeah. Oh, it's 38 degrees and about 92% humidity in Brisbane today, so um, hopefully I've got the air conditioning on, which hopefully isn't humming away in the background, but anyway, we'll uh, we'll see how we go. Can you can you, can you hear the uh, sound? Is the sound reasonable from your end?
1: No, it's good. I'm used to hearing sort of condenser noise um, when I listen to Radio Bruges News.
0: Oh, yeah. Sorry about that. The, the, the sound quality wasn't um, no, That was okay,
1: but, but, yeah. and we probably should take this opportunity to thank um, the guys at Green Beacon for... Uh, for letting us sort of take over a section there. And I mean, look, a lot of places would have just dumped those bottles when they, yeah, all the empties when they, uh, when, when it was required. Yeah. <laughs> yes,
0: yes. Well, that's, that's live recording and they, they had a good crowd in and uh, yeah, it was about the only place we could go where, you know, we could meaningfully, you know, <laughs> otherwise we could have just recorded from anywhere if we weren't sort of in sight and unfortunately yeah, the uh, compressor, but it made, uh, where we live and learn. As I said, those guys from uh, Inebriation Nation, um, we might have to go down and see how they roll one day because their their sound uh, was. I know impeccable. I know sizes and everything,
1: and it's not a competition, Matt. But have you seen the size of their desks?
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah, it, it would
1: certainly make it a little bit
0: harder to uh, to, they,
1: to, to carry. Yeah, they do have a, a very big unit uh, to work from, and, and yeah, and uh, and the, the it shows in the in the um, professional quality of the nature of the sound.
0: But speaking of that show, we had um, more than seven hundred unique uh, listeners. Stopped by during the day, which was, I, I, I thought was fantastic. I, I, I can't imagine anyone's uh, listening, you know, sitting at home listening to anything other than the Hottest 100 music countdown. But that uh, no, was, so it ended up being a, a, a nice little show.
1: Yeah, and as I say, our live event at the Tap House in St Kilda, um, first of all, nobody uh, who was there last year, um, like a show of hands, who, who was here last year? Not a single one. Crickets and tumbleweeds. Um, so I don't know whether that's a reflection on my ability to host the event, that no, nobody wanted to come back, uh, or the transient nature of the uh, of the crowd that you often get at the Tap House. But it was interesting too to say to see that um, there was very little, um, if you like, professional interest or um, anything more than a passing interest in the the hottest 100. Only a handful of people out of the you know 200 or so up there, top on the terrace had had voted. Um, and a few of them had, had sort of heard of it, but there was a lot of interest generated as the as the countdown went on.
0: Wow, that's that's interesting because you know in 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 our little beer bubble, um, it, it's it's a big story. And I've even noticed that you were on radio last week um, talking about it. Three AW, I believe. Um, I, I spoke about it on a couple of different uh, um, stations. I, I was meant to speak on. Uh, 4BC, which is 3AW's equivalent up here, but just before uh, I, I was on hold, ready to go, and the, uh, the host, as talk show hosts often do, went off on a bit of a rant about the, the, the footballer and the dog, and uh, suddenly, you know, they decided it's probably... We've got to go to news. To find... <laughs> you, know,
1: you really don't want to follow Mitchell Pierce with you. So, now, to find, <laughs> to find craft beer for us, so I think there are more important <laughs> things to uh,
0: talk about... So, uh, so it didn't, but it certainly, yeah. Uh, and I even saw in my you know, news feed this morning one of the 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 little street lifestyle magazines up here is, has covered it. Um, so you know, the hottest 100 and, and craft beer generally does seem to be one of those you know clickbait topics that you know, pub, you know, publishers know that if you put a craft beer story in, you're going to generate a bit of traffic, which is, uh, you know, really. Um, has to be quite a positive thing, um, I would have thought for
1: for Craft Beer. Oh, for sure, and just the amount of um, you know, pardon the pun, but the mainstream media uh, coverage of the hottest one hundred results. Herald Sun half page down here, you know, three R W, four um, BC, all the rest. Um, uh, Ross Lewis I posted posted today or, or yesterday uh, in his column the SIP, um, and so yeah, it's it's really sort of like, I guess taking that message to a, a much broader. Uh, audience um, in a very sort of short step when you consider 2008 was the first hottest 100 um, and it's, so it's taken, you know, six years or so to become an overnight sensation.
0: Mm. It, it's interesting though, when you, when you read, when, when you do see it in the more mainstream media um, and you realize that, uh, you know, most of the craft beers, you know, the, the, the um, craft beers in the sort of wide, in, in a narrower sense of the, the, the definition won't most mainstream readers of the Korea Mail or the you know Telegraph won't have heard of Pirate Life, and they're seeing that this beer you know is up high you know in in, in the list, um, and yeah you know, I, I would have thought that Squires would be a brand that they would know and sort of see that as a, as a beacon, and you do wonder um, you know what the mainstream beer drinker thinks when they see that list and don't recognise the vast majority of the beers on it
1: yeah and doesn't it highlight too the importance of because you, you, you get one shot at it and all of a sudden it's you know, it's on the paper or it's mentioned or whatever, the importance of the branding um, and, and using the pirate life cans, you know the 500 ml cans as a as an example, you know they're, they're kind of, they're, they're bold, they're distinctive. you've only got you know the eyeballs are passing across them in the story you know for a couple of seconds, but then when you go to your uh, your retail liquor outlet, it's, it's going to click rather than going, what was the name of that thing? Or what, what did it look like? Or what was the, you know, the little logo on the tiny, you know, little logo in the corner of the label or whatever it might be. So it really highlights the importance of, um, of how, how much marketing has to do with, uh, I guess, promoting your brand.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, actually that's a very good point. I hadn't thought about that and just that, you know, something that's memorable when people do see that flash and, uh, which probably brings us to our discussion of the results, you know, lots of, you know, lots of, uh, I'd mean, I actually go as far as saying vitriol towards squires um, doing so well generally and featuring so high in in, in the count, um, and a lot of people have been, you know, going off about that on one hand, but then saying that it's a uh, you know a popularity or it's a uh, you know popularity contest in, in the other, and you know so a, a startup that very few people would have tried like Pirate Life, you know, has suddenly burst upon the scene, um, you know, probably doing much better than they deserve. Um, What's your take on that? Uh, yeah, vitriol
1: is a fair, a fair call. Look, I think a lot of that comes from, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of emotion. We, we attach to um, what we like about beer because at the end of the day, uh, for, for a long time, uh, what we drink uh, has been used, I guess, as a, uh, a beacon or a descriptor for, you know, um, the elements of ourselves that we, we pride ourselves on. Um, so I think for a lot of people, it's it's easy to take it personally that your beer has been dissed, or uh, and that and therefore it's a slight on on um, on your character. Uh, and, and likewise, I think that sometimes gets turned around where a beer that you don't rate um, gets numbers. You, it, it's for some people, I guess it's it's just it's easy to you know type now and think later.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's it, and Look, I, I guess a, a lot of the comments I've seen have been, you know, people sort of saying, oh, they're not Australia's best beers. Um, no, it's not. It's, and, a, it's Hottest 100. It,
1: it's the Hottest 100. Not, 100. not Australia's it, it, best it, beers. You're thinking of the Critics' it, Choice. Yes,
0: it is a
1: and popularity by way, contest. <laughs> by the way, so the, the top four pretty much mirrors, you know, for the last yeah. five years of the Critics' Choice as well. So that kind of blows that argument out of the water.
0: Yeah, but, I mean, it, 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 it's, it's, it is a popularity contest and you know people who vote and so there is going to be well more importantly uh, matt those who can generate more
1: interest in getting votes for their beers will get will will do better and there's nothing in the you know inverted commas rules that that prevent that Uh, so my uh, social media feed was was chock-a-block with you know don't forget voting closes this week or you know if you love our beers here's an opportunity to vote um and i'm sure that all the breweries um, did that. Some obviously, I would think, did it better than
0: others. And the ones that engage with social media throughout the year are the ones that are going to have some effect um, in, you know, when they post about that as well. Um, and, you know, look, I just sort of look at the story that James Atkinson posted yesterday about um, Pirate Life and their plans for, for new beers. It just went off on Facebook, you know. Um, so it was on our page, but there is such interest in Pirate Life. Um, and people were sharing it, people liking it, people clicking on it, people commenting on it—you um, know—much more than they do a lot of other stories. And to me, that shows that um, Pirate Life is a hot brand at the moment, and people are genuinely interested. And they're captivating people with their beers and you know the the, the Pirate Life story. So to me, there's no surprise, and there's nothing sinister um, about the the fact that Pirate Life featured so high. And, no, and as our interview, and, and as our interview today. Um, we'll show, we're speaking to Chris Sheehan, who's the head brewer at uh, Squires, um, in response to um, the, the, the reaction to the Hottest 100. You know, they estimate that um, the, the Squires brand is, um, you know, a couple of percent uh, of the total beer market. Um, uh, so, so a significant portion of what we regard as that 5% or 6% craft beer market and then the 150 Lashes and the Golden Ale make up you know, much more than 60% of that. So a lot of people are drinking those beers. And even if a small percentage of those um, James Squire drinkers you know, become exposed to the voting to vote, that is still a huge number of people um, where you get, need to get a much higher proportion of Pirate Life drinkers voting, if you know what I mean. Yeah, to, to get and then there's result. also
1: that that magical algorithm that you know if you if you have a, a certain beer is in your first one or two versus you know your three four or five picks you know how that kind of um, affects it. Like I, I I have no doubt whatsoever that all the the votes were legitimate because in let's say let's say it's around about twelve thousand um, individual votes you know cast and that's you know. Times five beers each. You've really got to have a concerted campaign to be able to um, by by just garnering support. You know, encouraging all your staff or your mates or whoever it might be to vote uh, and to vote a certain way for that to to make a big influence. I would have thought.
0: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, whereas I remember in the last couple, you know, some of the earlier polls that uh, that we did, you know, a handful of votes could significantly. You know, see somebody bump up from the from the lower end, you know, to even midfield, because in in a smaller poll. But we really are getting some serious size to to the polling numbers. Um, so there is going to be, um, you know, uh, you need to vote fairly substantially. And when you speak to Steve, you know, there is a lot of criticism about the voting's rigged, or um, you know, you, you, you've got uh, the larger breweries. It, it's a shame because the big breweries shouldn't be allowed to be in it, and therefore I'm not going to vote next year. Well, then don't comment on it either. <laughs> yeah. Keep that well, shit to yourselves. Well, <laughs> it's, 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 actually, getting, it's getting tiring. I'll, I'll go even further than that. But, you know, the, the point I was making is that, you know, a brewery with a lot of staff, if all of them vote. Um, but, you know, the, the guys from the tap house don't want to go too much into what they do to make sure that the system's not gamed. But, you know, they, they do keep an eye on voting irregularities and, and those sorts of things. Um, and, and, and the system you
1: know, also does pick up if there are through the, the um, uh, validation E- email system, that it's it's coming from a real person
0: and that it's not coming twice from the same person. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, you, you look. I, I'm sure I've got two or three different email accounts. I'm sure I could have voted two or three different times if I was motivated to, but, you know. Or you could be like James Atkinson, not vote at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then you can't complain <laughs> so, about the result. Well, <laughs> fortunately, he didn't. But, uh, <laughs> but, but, but to that point about, um, you know, whether Squire should even be in there, um, you know, People that don't want to see fat yak and white rabbit and little creatures and Asahi beers in the hottest one hundred, they really want to take craft beer into a little walled ghetto um, that is their private plaything and their private domain, um, yeah. and yeah. want to turn their back on you know ninety eight percent of the beer drinkers. And the oxygen will
1: run out in that very small room very quickly, and then yeah. and then and then everyone's back to drinking VB and two is new,
0: exactly. Um, and you know and look, it it is interesting to see how. Uh, you know, a beer like Stone and Wood rates compared to a beer like 150 lashes, because you know it it, it it's just interesting, and it's interesting to see beers that uh, came up very quickly last year, and you know sort of settled down mid pack this year, because that's what the snapshot is. But uh, anyway, yeah,
1: and um, that and that's the whole idea is it's you know it's it's beers of this year. So I don't agree with the people who said oh you shouldn't be allowed to vote for a beer that wasn't brewed solely this year. Well, we might have you know you be, might be lucky to get under it.
0: Well, it, yeah, exactly, and yeah, you know, I, I think it's great this year that they uh, released the one hundred and one to two hundred because that was quite interesting to see some of the. Um, it was, you know, some of the people who you know were, were, were there and thereabouts. Um, actually, prof, something I, I'm very close to it, so it's 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 hard for me to comment too much, but I find it very surprising and disappointed um, oh, sorry I find it surprising and a little bit disappointing that Queensland Brewers um, didn't feature very strongly at all um, I think we had five of the top 100 and even oh, six of the top yeah, the 100 Fortitude,
1: Newstead, Green Beacon um, I think you know, I don't know if you, if you were about to allude to um, the surprise for me is, is, is some of the beers that missed out
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and and what it represents, because I mean Queensland still is probably underrepresented in the number of breweries um, compared to places, but i look at, you know, well WA has got a lot of breweries, um, but it's, but it was also very well represented. Sydney, uh, Melbourne um, have a, you know, it's a big representation, but Adelaide has some, uh, you know, craft breweries, but still not as many as some of the other centres. And they, you know, really did well compared oh, to somewhere yeah, like Queensland. Particularly um,
1: the like Prancing Pony, um, Vale, and there was another um, that I saw that I
0: thought, oh, good on them. Um, mm. uh, yeah. Uh, but see, Prancing, Prancing Pony do- doesn't have a huge distribution. Like they're, they're a relatively small brewery. Yeah. Um, they're doing some really crackingly and interesting beers, good, well-made and interesting beers. But they seem to have you know figured very very well whereas you know like a brewery that i you know that we recorded from green bacon um i was surprised at some Where was of their beers. yeah i mean i know um, you and i are probably a little bit um
1: uh biased because we we kind of during the echo uh this year particularly we or last year we we kind of lived off that as our that <laughs> that was our staple rehydrator
2: mm.
0: but even a a brewery newstead which is much more you know green Beacon's probably the quiet achiever on the brisbane scene um, but I, you know, I, I rate their beer, the, the quality and consistency and cleanliness of the beers that Joe's putting out there, um, as, you know, really standing out. Um, and they, they came very close in, uh, to taking out top brewery in the craft CBIA awards, I, I believe, or, you know, they, they figured very, very strongly, but even a brewery that's probably a little bit more, um, you know, Social media savvy, they've got a much bigger marketing budget. You see billboards for them around the place, they've got a very wide distribution. Um, Newstead Brewing, um, only had one in the uh, you know, in the top 100. I think it might two, have had a second one, two was it? Was, yeah. was it two?
1: I think okay. so. I think there was a two, two to the valley and the um, uh, and one other. I'll have to I'll have to look it up, but I, I thought they were. Do you think, can I put it to you, do, do Newstead, Burley, Bacchus particularly? Do they suffer from perhaps having too many beers? And so it's kind of like the, uh, you know, the, the premiership team that really has the Brownlow medalist in their team because, you know, the votes are spread across so many beers.
0: Mate, I'm actually, uh, look, I'm going to get myself into a little bit of trouble here, um, given that it's my own hometown. I actually wonder whether it isn't um, the Brisbane beer scene is so... Hype driven, um, and you know there is so much uh, you know experimentalism. There's so mu- you know so many collaboration beers. There are so many um, you know bars that are you know most of the bars are doing ever rotating taps. That uh, you know, there is, there is there, the time to kind of settle on
1: like, is it hard to find a core a core beer? Because because at the end of the day, your core beers, I think, are the if you look at the top ten. Um, it, it's a, it's very unusual that something out there barrel aged, available for only ten minutes at the brewery, during the winter solstice, is going to capture enough imaginations.
0: Well, enough imaginations, but it maybe that the sort of beer geek community like that that's sort of ever sort of looking for the for the next thing, they um, they've actually got a distorted view of what a good beer is you know that they it really is the hottest but there are so many beers that they're voting for that it's you know dividing the you know pool of votes yeah there are yeah literally no hundreds no
1: of, no one beer is getting enough on its own yeah to to make a dent
0: and there is a real lack of appreciation for as you said the core beers the really well made core beers um that you know brewers need in order to keep their doors open because you know a, a brewery, you know, can't survive, um, yeah, you know, for forever on an ever-changing rotation of, you know, highly experimental beers, yes. because they, you know, they, they don't pay the bills. No, that's right. Uh, now,
1: not, not, not that I'm, uh, you know, at the risk of trying to save you from a social media backlash after your comments about the Brisbane beer scene, but I'm going to change the subject and I'm going to throw one name at you and, and get your reaction. Bridge Road Brewers Chevalier Saison. It didn't feature at all, did it? Not in the top one hundred. It's in the it's, it's in the one hundred and one to two hundred.
0: It's plummeted because it was, uh, you know, so very highly rated even three years ago. Well, um, top top five, um,
1: both Critics' Choice and Hottest One Hundred. I reckon the last five years.
0: Look, I, I find that very surprising in one way, but I also think. Um, yeah, for a long time, it was the gold standard saison brood in Australia. It was the one, and you know, Ben was one of the few guys that was making a saison. Temple had one, um, you know. Ron uh, they had been and gone, Ben and gone. Um, and there were a couple of people playing around with saisons that were, you know, a little bit hit and miss. But Ben just had a, a, a beautiful saison, and then uh, La Seren came along and has just, you know, created, you know, that they won um the the best belgian beer at the inaugural cbia awards um they've been winning lots of medals and lots of praise for all of their um you know range of belgian beers which are you know very much led by the saisons and they seem to have captured the imagination whereas you know ben's beer is as good as it ever was and i think it's just um ben Krause at bridge road but and, and maybe it's just you know lacking a little bit of um attention more than, uh, you know. Yeah. It, so the it, other, one, the other one would
1: be uh, Holgate Temptress, which is no longer part of their core range. It's, it's not brewed all year round. So perhaps that, that there's a reason that that's dropped out. But yeah. I, I, I just couldn't think of one for, for the Saison.
0: But then you see Beachy Pale Ale, number 15. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, you know, is a little bit surprising given it, it's a beer that's been around for a long time. Do we need to change the name to the Gab's Beer and Food
1: Fest 2017? or oh, no, it'll be 2016. Um, hottest 100 craft pale ales and IPAs and double IPAs.
0: Do you think, but do you think that's what it is? I mean, but they're the styles of beers that are very highly um, you know, you know, highly regarded and make up the bulk of the, the, the beer market. So it's not surprising that they're no, going to be no, no, overrepresented. Really.
1: Uh, exactly. And, and look, I think they're the ones too that um, you're more likely to get that, that next uh, r- circle of the bubble. Um, or outside the bubble, um, and, and we we touched briefly on the the Dan Murphy's f- uh, factor as, as a as an impact or as a as an influence in bringing more uh, a greater number of drinkers to the to the poll.
0: Yeah, it, it, look, I mean the, the 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 beers that I think are truly un- underrepresented in, in in a sense are the. Uh, you know, are the cultures and the the golden ales and those beers that I I personally think that's where Australian craft brewers excel. Um, I still uh, you know look at a lot of the um, the, the IPAs uh, that, that are made. They're a little bit uh, single, you know, one dimensional. Um, you know, that, that are just about hops and. Probably don't have the elegance of malt. Matt, Matt's um, talking about unbalanced listeners. <laughs> oh, no. now have, have you had a chance to try the stoner Wood? Um, well, sorry, not the Steiner Wood. The Fixation IPA. The, no, I haven't. No. I, again, look. Yeah, maybe it's just I don't, my I don't get out to place. inner
1: city pubs all that much, so I haven't. I
0: honestly haven't had a chance to uh, to get out. Yet. And it, it's only involved in in draft, but to me, like. When, you know, the, the the trip I made to the States a few years ago and got to try a lot of the beers that are very, very hyped, um, where you had their fresh hop character, they always had a malt character that I don't find too many of the Australian brewers um, have here. And as you know, I don't like drinking, you know, I, except for the the odd experiment and sort of assay of the what's going on. I don't tend to buy heavily imported beers because, you um, for all the reasons we've talked about in the past. Yeah. But yeah, but I think the one place that Australian craft brewers are really nailing it um, is that lower alcohol, interesting flavoured but beautifully balanced um, Golden Ale Kolsch, uh, you know, a, a, a Australian aromatic, style pale. Yeah, Australian style pale um, that, uh, you know, both. Because you know, because of our climate and our excise and um, you know Australians' beer drinking habits, that's the centre of gravity uh, for the Australian beer market, and I think that's where we're really underre- uh, you know, underrepresented, um, considering the volume of those beers that sold. Yeah,
1: yeah, and without giving too much oxygen to just on a slightly separate note, but um, to to all the you know the, the naysayers and the vitrioles and the and whatever, um, I do have to thank them all as a as a collective group. Um, for giving me much entertainment in the in the days following <laughs> just reading through what? all the facebook group pages and um, it's it's yeah it, it's um uh, i've got one for you matt knock knock who's that beer beer who no, no 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 don't delve into it that much
0: it's just beer just don't take it too seriously matt don't don't question it <laughs> boom boom okay uh, well, mate, probably, uh, that one's probably down. Um, I did want to talk a little bit about the, the new Han Ultra um, vis-a-vis the beautiful, beer the beautiful truth, but uh, that's a bit of a rant that I won't go into too much. Um, suffice it to say, yesterday, uh, the good folk at Lion um, released a beer Han Ultra, which is a 0.8%, um, you know, we're back into the low alcohol territory out of the mid-strength, um, which I thought was fascinating. You know, they see that um, Australians changing drinking habits. Light beer was a big thing in the '80s and the '90s when um, uh, drink driving yep. uh, first became a real issue, and all of the campaigns and very, very advertising-driven too. Very advertising-driven because it was changing people's habits. But um, it's not a you know it, it's not something that ever really captured because brewers found it very, very hard to. Um, maintain flavor. Well, maintain flavor when you when you're down that low, and um, you know, even reading Charlie Bamforth, uh, our good friend Charlie Bamforth's book, uh, Beer: Tap into the Art and Science of Brewing, he talks about some of the the, the uh, ways of doing it, and you can brew a beer and remove the um, alcohol from it, but you remove a lot of the flavor, or you can uh, you know do some mashing and you know high mashing, high, you know high temperature mashing but then you get a, a cooked flavor to your beer. Um, you can terminate the uh, gravity, but then you sort of get, you know, you can terminate the brewing or have yeast that sort of do it. And all of the ways of doing, you know, very low alcohol beers um, are, are either very costly or have a flavor cost to the beer. Um, but Lion yep. has come out with a 0.8% beer um, and, you know, uh, going to spend a lot of money. You're going to see a lot of money spent advertising it. And Can so I- I naturally,
2: yeah. so so I no, know,
0: know naturally. You know, when I got the media release, just sort of asked that question. You know, but it, it's been covered on all the industry sites, and no one's asked the obvious question. Well, what is different about this beer, where it, it's a category that's failed in the past and you haven't been able to capture? What have you done differently this time? Which I don't think needs a full exposition of the you know mashing temperatures and you know hopping rates and you know a, a chapter and verse, but just a general. Text, yeah, you know, brewing textbook-style description of the, the the process they've done, which I think is a reasonable thing to do. Um, to to ask a question without notice, Matt. No, I don't know if you have, you know, if it's covered in the
1: media release. But uh, point oh point eight. Why don't you just go to point five, which is then legally alcohol-free and therefore excise-free? Well, I so guess that's point zero three percent percentage points or whatever. Does that give you that much more flavour than a that much less?
0: Oh, look, I, I, I would imagine, yeah, I'd, I'd imagine you would get a little bit more. Um, I look, I, I, I don't know, but I, I would love to ask that question. But when I replied to the PR people, um, sort of saying, look, I, you know, I'd love to speak to a brewer to find out a little bit more uh, uh, about this. Um, they sort of said, oh, we will we'll only provide, uh, you know, take written questions and provide written responses. And I thought, and as soon as I hear that, you know, I sort of start thinking, oh, hello, what's going on here? Um, and I sent it directly to Lions PR people and they, you know, was told also you know, it's, it's our IP. We can't give it away. And, you know, mate, when I was down at um, White Rabbit, you know, Warren Pawsey and uh, um, Jeremy Hulse were more than happy to talk about, you know, how open fermenters, you know, you know what their malt um, you know, profiles are, their hop profiles, their hopping rates, how long they barrel age and, you know, go into chapter and verse of something that's crafty and casts a good um, thing on beer. And, you know, when you read um, Beer the Beautiful Truth and they've highly romanticized um description of you know what brewing is and it's just malt water hops and yeast and you know we just do this, we do that. I've just noticed that when you ask questions about, you know, for example, Han Super Dry and well, how does that fit the Beer the Beautiful Truth story when, you know, it's got all of these other things that aren't mentioned in be the beautiful truth? That's when you, you start getting the PR people jump on the line. And when you start asking questions about you know Han Ultra, well look, you know, this is fantastic, lower alcohol, it's great, it's healthy, all of these things. But how have you done it? That's when they start saying, oh, you know, sorry, this is our IP. We can't talk about that. We don't want to Magician get the other Magician never reveals his tricks, Matt. Yeah, well, they're happy to when it suits the narrative. Uh, when, the, the, when it's not quite as sexy and romantic, um, they seem, you know, and, and it's not beer the beautiful truth. It's beer the industrial, um, you know, achievement. They're not quite so happy about uh, talking about it. Um, when when I, I think that's exactly the story, and and most of the brewers, that's the story that they want to be telling, is you know that because beer is different to wine, beer is the mastery of the process as opposed to you know and, and all of these wild processes as opposed to you know um, letting nature take its course. Mm. So anyway, so yeah, I mean, I'd, hopefully we'll, we'll wait and see. Up, um, well, and updates and, and, to follow. Listen to you know we're about to speak to Christine um, who's the head brewer, of, you know, of James Squire. Absolutely no trouble getting him on the line because it's a you know it's a story they want to talk about, um, the stories that they don't want to talk about. Uh, but anyway, um, look, that, not really a rant, just uh, you know, questions about you know what is it about you know Han Ultra that they don't want to you know talk about. But anyway, uh, I, I might blog about that instead or write an article about that but uh, but getting on to our interview we've been chatting for a little while and we do have want to leave some time for the mailbag um you weren't available when i caught up with chris last week but uh so i had a bit of a chat with chris sheen and as i often do when it's someone who isn't a household name i uh, started
2: by asking who who is chris sheen <laughs> Um, yeah, interesting one. I don't know if it's not, not that interesting to that many people, but I'm a free man born and bred in WA, and um, to me that's uh, my purebred um, beer country. Uh, grew up around little creatures and stuff, but I started at Swan, um, so I've got a, a very heavily slant in the big brewing stuff. Uh worked at Swan in packaging and brewing and in the labs, and then um, did all my brewing studies through the IBD, which is the Institute of Brewers and Distillers. Then I uh, moved to Napston in the beautiful Clare Valley. I was down there last week actually and brewed for a couple of years. It's just hands on and getting my hands dirty in brewing, which I think is a brew, is very, very important. So um, that was good fun. And then worked a little while at West End, a little bit at Forex, and now down in Sydney um, looking after Malt Shovel and the Jane Squire brand.
0: So, what's the uh, cumulative uh, flying hours for, for brewing? Oh, too many. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess the the reason we wanted to have a bit of a chat to you today is the big news story of the week um, outside of the Hottest 100 itself seems to be that James Squire cracked a beer in the top 10. And uh, you know certainly we were following very closely on Australia Day um, and looking at the social media. And you know, it, it's a little bit astounding at just how uh, much upset um, it caused within the sort of relatively small uh, circles of, of the craft beer community. First of all, congratulations to, uh, to, to a top result for the uh, entire James Squire range. But where, you know, where do you think that sort of anger and surprise and sort of uh, discussion comes from
2: that, that, that James Squire would have a, a beer in the top 10? Yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, I followed it closely myself, and uh, quite happy. The three beers that we had in there, in terms of Hop Thief, um, Chancer, and Lashes, were in there last year as well. So what we really spoke to see was that they sort of moved up the ranks, which was pretty good. Um, obviously, you know, this whole definition of what is craft and what is a craft hot, Hottest 100. For us, it's a lot of just a bit of fun. Um, that's the way we look at it as brewers, anyway, and. Um, the popularity of lashes, it doesn't really come as a great surprise, given for us just how huge um, it is. So of, a, of the James Gly portfolio, it's two thirds of what we, what comes out in our range, um, which is phenomenally large to, to have that much in there. Um, and so to me... So sorry,
0: what would you mean by that? So two-thirds of the James Squire's portfolio yeah, is...
2: in terms of volume, yeah, 60... 60 is 150 uh, lashes? Yeah, so I'm not sure on the exact numbers. I think it's the high 60% of what we make um, under the James Squire range, which includes the, the nine beers So um, in our range. So it's, yeah. and, and so
0: 150 lashes is there because you've also got the Chance of Golden Ale, which uh, featured as well. And I, I wasn't sure which was the biggest of those two beers.
2: No, no, uh, Lash is by a long way. Um and, and chance is still there and it's it's still a um it's still a big player with stuff and it's just sort of simmering away in the background. So I was really surprised to see that still popular with people. Um and for me obviously having a lot to do with hop C seven, that has um it's flying. I mean six was very, very popular. Um and to see seven surging, it's sold, it's worked double on what we did for six. And so we're working on eight now, so we've set the bar quite high for ourselves. So I was really happy to see Hopse up there at number twelve as well.
0: And it's not really a surprise, then. If I mean Squires, I'm fair in saying. I know I'm talking to a brewer, not the accountant or the marketing guy. But Squires is the biggest craft beer brand in the country.
2: Yeah, uh, it is actually. Well, it, judging by the numbers, anyway. So we often talk to the Australian beer market. Ninety five percent of that are your typical mainstream drinkers, and that ninety five percent many of the products in that range are in decline but it is still phenomenally huge um, that the fact that 95 percent of Australian drinkers don't touch craft um, the five percent number of what you would um, define as craft um, we're in there um, depending on what definition of craft is and I don't want to get into this debate no, I'm happy to yeah. talk about it but I just talk about it all the time and I get over it so it's all beer to me but that five percent um, we're about, I think it's nearly 30% of that by volume, so um, in terms of that 5%. So it is really, really large, and um, and that's how it kind of breaks down in the numbers. So if you take James Squire out and some of the other bigger players, you know, in terms of the definition of craft, it's actually quite small. Craft, that 5%, is growing 20% year on year. Um, so it is growing, and, you know, we've got a fair way to go to get to the size of the US and uh, sort of in New Zealand, sort of levels of. Those sort of beers. So can't wait to get there because you know that's been at Squires um, and the shovel through Chuck and what the guys have been doing long before my time is trying to you know get people in that 95% to try something new. We've never tried to do anything different, and our beers, we're not at the pointy ends. We, we never really have. We've had a muck around with some limited releases and mad brewers, which we're actually trying to trying to rebirth those a bit too. So, um, but we've never been there. It's about getting those ninety five percent to try something new. You know, most guys and I get a lot of brewers come up to me and say, look, you know, the brief beer I tried other than what my dad gave me was the Squires, and that's pretty cool. Those guys have gone on to bigger and better things, and. You know, and that's a part of where we are. We accept that, you know, guys try spies, they move in, they work through the range and then they quite often move on to the more pointy and stuff and a lot of those guys become brewers, which is something that I really, really like. So yeah, that's where we sit.
0: I have to say, just as a bit of a, a aside, because we'll come back to the, some of those figures, but I also find it, it's one of those interesting things that I've noticed, you know, I, I've been around for a while and looked at people get into craft beer, you know, first of all, often through the imports, you know, the imported lagers uh, is a way, because they'd notice that they taste different. They get into the beers, whether it's James Squire or the uh, Osco and discover a love of hops or a love of malt and go pursuing some of those passions. But if you wait around long enough, you do start to see them, you know, it's a little bit like somebody who gets into curry, you know, they, they chase the hottest, you know, most challenging curry, but they, they tend to come back to something that they can just eat and enjoy rather than challenge themselves with.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, somebody, one of our, um, our guys in SA, uh, he's got a good analogy around butter chicken. And, um, you know, and that's that kind of, we you know, we're more than happy to tell people that's exactly where, where we are. We're not trying to do anything else. Lion as a business obviously you've got the ownership lines there but they encourage us to you know to to open people's palates up and get them to try different beers and that's the beautiful thing about beer is it comes in that many styles types and colours and it's a a world you know and I just you know for people to experience and you think of those lashes drinkers that that voted um, at number six and I'm a bit jealous because they're at the the start of you know that world of discovering beer and i kind of i love that moment and for me it was back in the sailor and anchor in Fremantle, and my mates just said try this and you know then that's it all started and i'm doing what i'm doing now i'm grateful for that but those guys at lashes voted at number six i think they're likely to turn around and go well what came in at five what came in at four and go down their pub and try a pirate life or a hop hog and that's a really really good thing you know because they're great beers you know and I will probably look at the whole list, you know, so that's that's we accept that, that they're going to move on and, you know, that's,
0: that's good. I, I guess looking at the people, one of the things that I've seen is that uh, the reason that Squires uh, got to to where it was was because there was a concerted effort within line to get all of the staff voting for it, which uh, I, I don't think people realise quite the mechanics behind the running of the poll that makes that very, very difficult. But when you hear figures that you're talking about that 60% of your portfolio is... Uh, 150 lashes, and that portfolio is then in turn 30% of the beer market, there are a lot of people who are drinking 150 lashes. So it's probably not a surprise that some of those who are hearing about the, 100, the Hottest 100 um, are going to be voting for it
2: and, and just sort of see it relatively high. Yeah, yeah, that's a common, common yeah, logic. It's in most pubs. It's in every single bottle shop. What scares me is that that beer is so big now, but it's still in 20% growth. So it is, it's it's just this, this snowball that's rolling away. Um, and yeah, absolutely, accept that it's not to everybody's liking. And, you know, that's where these polls get, you know, should it be a poll of what I like, or what everybody likes, but it's a diplomatic thing and, um, you know, lashes itself. And for us, it outgrew mulch shovel very quickly and true to our breed, and it's, it's written in stone within within Lion is, is that all James Squire beers are developed at mulch shovel. So we sort of circumvent a lot of... Um, product development things, they're always brewer-led, um, and then when they out, once they outgrow us, they go into our bigger network of breweries. Um, Lashes at the last AIBA, um, I think it was being made in South Australia and New South Wales, both won silver medals. Um, so the beer for what it is, is you know, defect-free, it's good quality, it's good balance, but you know, obviously there's a lot of people that step in on it, so it's, it's massive.
0: So is there a bit of internal competition that, you know, you, you just have said that it's brewed at uh, Sydney and it's also brewed in South Australia. Do you know? Do you guys look at the results to see who's winning, you know, entering it in individually and seeing who, who gets the higher marks?
2: No, not at all. No, I don't, I don't think so. Not that I know of anyway. It's more about, um, you know, and managing and anybody in brewing will tell you it's very, very hard to get two breweries to do the same thing. So we spend most of our time with nine products in the range and, and and um several of those being made elsewhere we spend a lot of our time just making sure that you know they are they are matching up so there's little time for competition and um it, it's good just to see those beers grow they're full flavored and that sort of stuff and having worked at the bigger breweries you know beers like squires i used to love as a brewer you know being able to make beers like that um you know because that was kind of my my uh, preference anyway so it's good that other brewers can do that but yeah not not any competitiveness i don't think
0: and how about, uh, you know, seeing some of the beers, I mean, some of the, the, the classic Squires beers that have been around since the beginning, uh, the, the Amber, Amber Ale. Um, personally, it, it was one of the beers that I, you know, fell in love with, uh, you know, 10, 12 years ago um, and, and really loved. Um, do we still see the same emphasis behind it um, in, in, in the company or, you know, do the, some of the more popular lighter styles uh, get most of the, uh, the marketing push?
2: Well, the, all the marketing push was good for us, and I'm not I'm not bullshitting here. But you know, squires, the brewers we have a very very firm in what we do and don't do. Um, so typically an idea will come up and we go with something new, and then we'll present three different variants, and then we'll just work off that. But um, it's pretty good. We still I I think I wouldn't be doing what I was doing as if I was being told to do this. You know, so the, it is very very brewer led. Fortunately, that's something that Chuck has instilled. Now, Chuck built the the, the Brewery, or Malt shovel now, which is the James Squire Brewery, in 1988, and that's been always the way. Now, Chuck's in his late 60s, and he still comes, he's still at the brewery. I mean, he's in probably more of a PR and in a background role than production, but um, that's how it kind of rolls for us, is that the brewers still have very much a say, and anybody who's been through there or you know, knows us, you know, with up to 50, 51 brewers since 1988 have been through those doors. And the most of them, um, I think we did a count that 45 are still involved in the industry somewhere in the world doing one thing or the other. So it's kind of a standard that we do. And, you know, um, and that's why our beers, we sort of, we design them to, to entice people in. Just as
0: a, after we teed up this interview, I got a media release late yesterday about the uh, success of, the Summer Ale, the uh, just looking for the the, the swindler, I'm trying to keep track of all the James Squire names, um, it has just been launched as a uh, as a pack. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That, um, the whole Summer Ale thing, um, yeah, it's absolutely flying. And uh, obviously, we we released it on tap first to get people, you know, um, drinking it that way. I mean, that's, I think that's a good way to, you know, get people into pubs and that sort of stuff. Um, so coming out in, tap, tap, very, very, in pack very, very soon and it's absolutely flying us beyond expectations, which for the brewers are, can be a pain in the ass because, you know, we've got Eldorado in it so we've got to make sure that, you know, if it goes gangbusters too much, then obviously we have to scram for more Eldorado, which we can get, but um, it's it's the joys of being a brewer. So it's just these good problems to have, so to speak. But it's moving. Um, and again, it's one of these beers' light lashes is that we're sort of wanting people to step out and try something new. And so that's where it sits and... Um, Clean finishing, um, and that Eldorado Hot. When you use it in in a light base, it really presents some interesting um, characteristics. And we we talk about the watermelon um, quite specifically. It's quite unusual, so um, it's good fun playing with that.
0: I, I guess when you look at the uh, the, the Squire's portfolio, and you've got a beer like this, and you know, just reading from the media release, beer lovers can expect an initial taste that is low on bitterness and yet high on flavour, um, accompanied by light and fruity aroma, which pairs well. Did um, the, the, the flavor descriptors in a in a beer like this, you can't really pull out too many distinctive flavors from a, a beer. Very low is you know is it hard to differentiate a um, you know swindler from a golden ale or from the uh, from the one hundred and fifty lashes um, when you know, the, the, they are the milder. Uh, forms of of the style you know, none of them are really punchy strong flavors can it be hard to differentiate between the beers uh, from from the brewer's perspective to create difference in the beers
2: yeah we call it the goalposts um, and so that's what you know we're talking you know the goalposts can be quite narrow is it new, new drinkers you know bitterness can be off-putting um, some of them like the aromas um, some of them don't so yeah those, those goalposts when we're trying to come up with something in I think about what we like in that same sense. But, you know, some of the, it's hard with beer styles because, you know, you look at the, the Hottest 100 and what, there was two lagers in there and, you know, and some of the classic, more approachable styles, things like cultures and stuff like that, you know, they're, they're, they're being seeded and pocketed out there, which is great to see. And that was where we went with the Swindler. It was like, okay, well, let's make something, you know, approachable for people that we can, you know, get them into our range even more So off the back of lashes.
0: But you, you're, uh, and don't, uh... Get me wrong now. Actually, I've seen a couple of photos of you recently, uh, both rocking a beard and without a beard. Um, are, are we sporting a
2: beard at the moment? Are we being uh, the, the, the true craft brewer at the moment? Yeah, well, well, brewer or, or bearded manly man. No, I do have a beard, and um, interestingly, the other day I had a guy. And this is the this is the life and times of James Square in a pub. Told me that because I was a James Squire brewer, I wasn't entitled to have a beard. So <laughs> that was um quite interesting. But no, I have a beard at the moment. Um, my wife wants it off though. So anyway, we'll, we'll, <laughs> see how we go. Yeah.
0: But uh, yeah, I mean, look. The, the point I was making is that w- w- when you're with the beard, you, you, you look a little bit older than you are. You, you do when you're sort of uh, freshly shaved. So I mean, you, but you're you're a relatively young bloke. You're only in your early thirties, from memory.
2: Yeah, mid mid to late thirties. Let's just say oh, there probably you go. more okay. probably more leaning on the late. But um, okay. yeah, and that's what and that's what coming into um, the James Squire team. We're trying to get a you know my personal take on it is let's wind up the youth a bit. And so that's why I'm really dead keen to get out some of the old classic. Um, uh, Mad Brewers releases and do some more limited runs and we've got the brew bars around the country we've got the perfect opportunity to do it so you know like I was saying before does, you know, building really approachable and accessible beers and you know it was kind of the craft world if, if you call it craft the beer thing has exploded so let's, let's get into it let's do a bit more around Camperdown where the brewery's been based and it's still been ticking over so I want to see some of that more of that stuff come in and you know so what, what Mad Brewers were your favourites? uh oh I, I, the smoke
0: uh the, the, the smoke i can't you now i'm terrible at remembering the names because i always remember them as styles, but uh the, the the smoke one you brought back a couple of years ago uh, was was a good one i uh, very much loved the hop thieves when they come out um i, I think it wasn't so much a mad brew as it was much more of a uh, a squire's beer back when chuck was still brewing day to day and they put the porter in some rum barrels yeah yeah
2: rum rebellion porter yeah that's it no yeah. he's just, just trying to get some of those out and stuff so just a bit of fun but um yeah chuck's still on the tools he still brews down at Cosy every three weeks and the man in his late 60s i admire that he jumps in his car for six thousand drives down and drives back up you know um every three weeks which is phenomenal so he, he is really the spine of what's behind behind squires and you know you're talking about those the 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 uh, other brands in their background, the Pilsner and the IPA and the Amber Ale, you know, they're still very central to his heart and they're still there. They're still ticking over in the background. They're not really in any growth, but, you know, they've got their band of adoras, same with the Porter. So, you know, they're, they're still there and, and Chuck wouldn't have it any other way.
0: The the point I was making uh, about age is I guess, uh, like I'm probably 10 years uh, older than you, and uh, I remembered, My father talking about uh, lagers having a lot more body and a lot more uh, bitterness. And it it seems that we've seen over the last, you know, two or three half generations, beer has um, declined, you know, the the flavors of beers, as we've sort of chased where the the market has gone, um, have declined a little bit in bitterness and flavor. And it's interesting to see beers that probably my father wouldn't have uh, thought were particularly bitter coming back and being described as... Uh, you know, fuller-flavored or you know, sort of bigger-flavored beers is. You know, do, do we just have to you know appreciate that the market, the, the beer market, is an ever-evolving uh, you know place for, for for brewers to sell into? That it's not just one uh, constant uh, you know marketing
2: proposition. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you bang on. I mean, um, you know, in the beer industry. I'd like to see the beer industry as a whole band together and. And work off beer, and uh, you know, you see it out, you see the whole lamb ad on on uh, Australian Day, it's the whole lamb industry working together. Milk does it really well, but beer was segregated. And, and having worked in the wine industry for a while when I was at Napstein you know, there wasn't a day where I was sort of, um, I'm proud to be a brewer because, you know, the camaraderie in the industry and there was a little bit of elitism in the wine industry, and it sort of crept into beer a bit. And you know, I see blokes get laughed at because they drink a VB, and it's like, well, it's his mouth, if he wants to drink it, it's fine, you know. um But so the flavour. Flavour stuff, you know, what people are drinking has changed, and that's why you see this age-old debate. This beer used to be good, but now it's changed, and invariably it hasn't. Your palate, you know, for, for somebody that's drinking lashes once upon a time and then goes into a double IPA or starts drinking Imperial stouts, invariably when they go back to something that's more accessible and approachable, they think, oh, that's changed as, as their palate evolves. And, you know, to use our curry theory from before, it's the same. You start on butter chicken and then, you you know, you're into vindaloo. So. It's yeah, but um, people's palates through food have changed as well. People, you know, um, the young people nowadays sort of tend to drink a lot more mixes and spirits and wine, and so, and yeah, beer as a whole is in decline. And I think what is it cider's got more growth than beer, so yeah, even craft beer, which is interesting. Mm. Off a lower
0: base, I guess. Is, is there a temptation from a, a business point of view that when you've got a like a, a beer such as the James Sky Pilsner that was a, a gold medal winner at the uh, uh in, in the states a couple of years ago at the, uh, well, the it'll be, it'll
2: be a cup, World beer cup that's it knocked off all the check you know and it was quite controversial that anothervia Pilsner won so yeah
0: but but is there a little bit of it when when you see that you know you, you're making a you know world-class you know, internationally recognized version of the style but it's just not getting the love here um for for whatever reason to sort of tinker with it and think well you know maybe if we Drop the bitterness a little bit. We'll find a wider market, or does uh, you know a, a business like James Squire look at well, you know, we're not doing get, doing the, the the volumes that we'd like with uh, Pilsner. We'll keep that where it is, and maybe look at creating a beer um, that fills that sort of next step down, and see whether we can sort of create something new there.
2: Yeah, and I, you know, it's a it's a good take. Um, yeah, the Pilsner an interesting one specifically, you know, I was talking to just Rob Freshwater yesterday, he's a bit of a a legend in the industry as well, I sit between Freshie and Chuck at the brewery, Um, and he was talking about India Pale Lagers, and we were talking about, isn't that just a pilsner, so, um, and there is. Uh, I I
0: think uh, um, XPAs or,
2: you know, Session IPAs are just unbalanced uh, parallels. Yeah, absolutely. So there's that whole angle, and we've sort of, um, Squire's has always been pretty traditional with what it puts out, like, um, you know, true to type, true to style, other than their brewers, it hasn't got pretty crazy. So, Um, And we look at something, a good example of that, you know, that the Pilsner aside, the the Golden Ale um, or Chancer, uh, which was in its day, which was was very, very large. And since Lashes has come on, you know, people have gone on to it. So the Golden Ale Chancer sitting there in the background and it's like we, the shovel, it's has never really tweaked recipes. And a lot of brewers, and I I believe in the philosophy that as a brewer, you know, should be able to change my beer and I can... I can list off many breweries that people would say their beer has changed, and that's because the brewers, you know, dealing with agricultural products in terms of hops, will change the hop bill to suit the best stuff they can get. We've been a little bit more traditional and kept our beers the same way. So, you know, they're true, true to form, true as they've always been, and try to keep that, you know, true to original specification and design. So with something like golden ale, we've tossed up. What do we do with golden ale? Do we give it a, a, you know, the analogy amongst the brewers is a bit of a boob job, you know, and and wind it up a bit or tweak it. So we sit on the fence with that sometimes. And yeah, the jury's out as to whether that would work for us or not. But, you know, it's definitely something we think about.
0: You you, you talked about the the struggles you have, you know, as seasons um, come and go and malt varieties change and hops, uh, you know, change a little bit with, with season to season. How hard is it to keep the consistency across the range when you're brewing, you, you've got those challenges, and then you're brewing across, what, two or three different uh, breweries nationally these days?
2: Yeah, incredibly hard. Um, and that's what um, Golden Ale or chance when it came out, we, we Amarillo got hit pretty hard and we had to work around that. Um, Lashes with Nelson's Savin that's in there was very, very difficult. And now we've got the same thing with... Uh, with the Summer Island El Dorado and you know, and as you said it, it, it's, it's subtle in there but that's something that we have to work with and not just the, the raw materials but also getting different breweries to match up. All of the beers that are designed at, um, at, here in Camperdown, um, there's a 25, 25 page specification and policy around what the bigger breweries can and can't do. We taste every single one of those beers that go out and come back Um, and it gets put through a wider taste profile panels as well so that's what I spend a lot of my time helping those other brewers you know get through the production issues um, in terms of matching flavor and the different inherent inherent parts of the different beers themselves which is yeah very very difficult to do.
0: I, I guess that's the thing with you you are the head brewer for the James Squire brand so do you have ownership for those brands across all breweries? I know I was speaking to Warren Pawsey late last year when White Rabbit opened and they'd been brewing some of the uh, White Rabbit beers, but Jeremy Holtz still has to sign off on you know the, the, the beers as, as they go through. Is, is that the same position that you're in, being based at Camperdown and signing off across the, the, the beers that come out of the other breweries?
2: Absolutely. It happens often, um, and so there's stuff that they, they, they the bigger breweries we just sort of straight out said no you, you can't do this or that this is what we need to re, to respect so yeah I've got complete sign off on that um then yeah outside of specification everything has to come back past through me so it's um phone calls at all hours of the night what do we do here and that sort of stuff and you yeah, have to work and have to deal with it. Terrific
0: well Chris uh, congratulations on your results for the Hottest 100 it was great to see you know the, the broadening of, of the category and also I guess you know no matter what the the, the debate is it's great that people are actually talking about beer um you know and, and bringing some interest in, in into the category
2: absolutely thank you very much um for the time i appreciate it and Any, any time.
0: in the garden what a garden brews news is made possible by Brewpack, australia's number one craft contract brewer There you go, prof, Christine. And you know, mate, one of the things I like about those stories, so those interviews, is Chris is a bloke who has brewed you know in the big big house, he's brewed in the small sheds um, you know, for line. He's a guy that's very, very passionate about what he does. Um, and I think that's the story that's lost in the vitriol about um, you know, it's not craft beer. Um, sure, make a political decision you know that you would rather support, as you and I have talked about in the past. Support the small guys because you're you know you're making a vote for how you see the future of the brewing industry, but I mean don't diss dis so, these don't guys. Discount
1: what they no what what they their passion and their skill um, as brewers, exactly uh, are on par with with every other you know little guy who's you know hand milling stuff out in your shed. But
0: seriously. I, I, well, actually, I guess there are a lot of small breweries, breweries that are hand milling. But have you noticed that as soon as the breweries start to grow a little bit, you know, they well, the start...
1: Auger, the auger and the auto mill are the first things to go. So yeah.
0: yeah. So, it's, you know, it, it, it's great for, to say we're hand milling. For a good
1: time, not a long time, Matt. Anything you can save time on.
0: Well, when you're
1: not getting paid a, an hourly rate, the fewer but hours it's also, you spend you know, actually producing your beer, the more you can spend on marketing your beer and driving it around to venues and dropping off samples and
0: all that sort of stuff. But it's also about, you know, getting consistency of, you know, cracking, you know, and, and, and the size which affects the mash and, you know, all, all of these things and, you know, it's just like buying grain that is a consistent size so your mill works more efficiently and all of these things are science, um, you know. And, uh, anyway, I won't get it round. But anyway, no, it was great, great to chat with Chris and uh, um, hopefully we'll get to speak to the uh, you know one of the brewers who makes Han Ultra as well, just to get that crack in again. Um, mate, we might see what Lockie's got uh, for mailbag music because it has been a couple of weeks and we've we do have a couple of uh, emails and cards and letters, so postman pat, postman pat postman pat and his black and white cat. Early We go love uh, Loki's music selection um now let's see late in december got an email josh button um josh from inebriationnation.com. um there you go I, I, pious I josh pious josh um he, i think he's his
1: social media handle
0: and he uh, very quickly sent in uh two uh emails one said good show i much prefer the free-flying conversations like the one with temple uh, he obviously was listening to The Temple Show, rather than the soapbox-style shows that are the norm. Cheers, Josh. Um, and then very shortly after, um, I didn't want to sound like a backhanded compliment. It was a really good show, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, I guess, well, was it a backhanded compliment or was it a well, well, say, and, and this is the... This is uh, all uh, of the other shows.
1: The advanced Advantage, uh, oh, sorry, one advantage I think that um, that the guys at Emu Nation have is being able to uh, all record together. So there is there's a definite, uh, definitely different dynamic, uh, and probably a better flow when you and I are in the same room and the guests are there as well.
0: Absolutely, yeah.
1: When I'm looking at uh, you know a, a frozen picture of you, uh, your little um, logo, whatever you know, pick, avatar, um, static, you know, on the screen. Yep, and then I don't know when you're going to talk, and you don't know when I'm going to talk, and that's so it's a different thing.
0: Yeah, and and look, and that was a great show because it really was. We had three people in the room, and we were able to sort of, you know, it was just us having a conversation. And a brewer came and brought us
1: brought us freshly, beautifully freshly poured, foaming pints of uh, Power Stance Pilsner, so that'll that'll get your flow going.
0: So well, look, mate, if if any brewers want to sponsor, you know. Getting us down to their to their brewery to record, you know, in in, in their brewery, uh, we're open to that sort of uh, graft and corruption, um, in in order to, oh, 100%. Uh, yeah. So, um, so that was that, that was Josh Button. Thank you very much, Josh, and yeah, um, love your show as well. Um, uh, then we've got actually this was a nice little email. Paul Scott um, weighed in in January. Hey Matt Pete, love the podcast. My girlfriend also thoroughly enjoys it, and she doesn't even drink beer which must be a testament to how you make the material accessible and entertaining. Our number one podcast for long car trips, keep up the good work. Uh, P.S., has been good to hear more of Pete during some of the recent interviews. A common recurring theme. But um, we, we might have to work on that, professor I We'll take a back seat. I know I've promised that in the past. Um, but it was, it was lovely. You know, lovely to hear that um, his girlfriend finds it accessible and entertaining, um, which you know, is, is very heartwarming. What do you no, think, prop,
1: that... I don't have an opinion, Matt. No, no. I don't. Um, no, that, I think that's excellent. That's that's very uh, heartwarming. It's nice um, to if, if you can get out to you know
0: non-beer people.
1: Well, that's kind of what we people, people.
0: do. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of what we do. Um, and, and the other thing is, we try and you know speak to guests that probably some of the you know sort of more beer geek people probably wouldn't think to speak to. For the, the reason that, you know, we, we actually think that they've got a great story to tell, um, you know, that maybe people haven't heard. Um, Tom Clift left a comment on the, another one on the, uh, in the Temple um, episode. Really enjoyed these interviews. Thanks, guys. It was refreshing to hear more about the business side of running a brewery. Possible interview thread for future shows. How brewery owners and bar owners see the relationship between beers that make them money and beers that are critically reclaimed by craft beer geeks. Actually, well, I guess we touched on that a little bit in our discussion of Hottest 100. But that might be something that we uh, sort of try and think of a maybe a bar owner that we can have a chat to. Um, yeah, but for sure. uh, that's certainly a great great suggestion. Um, let me see now, listeners. As we always say, if you do like the show, um, you know, please jump on your favorite podcasting platform um, and you know give us a review. Help other people find us wherever you get your podcast from. Jump on and give us a review. Um, if we're not available on your preferred podcast platform, please let us know so we can make sure that we are registered and subscribe and can, so you can get it. Um, and also leave a review and a rating for us so uh, you know, other people can find us. We've had a couple of great uh, reviews. Um, Scuba Steve, um, December 21, just before Christmas. If you're into beer and Oz, it's well worth a listen. Can be a bit marketing heavy sometimes, but always informative. Um, four stars. Uh, and his, he headlines his worth a try. Um, industry Insight um, by Tim Brackets Othi, Uh five stars. The best industry-focused beer podcast in Australia with insightful interviews and discussion. Matt and Pete aren't afraid of having an opinion and they're certainly not scared of getting on the soapbox once in a while. This is a great thing as it allows genuine discussion and critical thought around the important topics of the beer world. If you want to keep your finger on the pulse of Australian beer industry and craft slash good beer, thank you for making that, decision, uh, that distinction, Timothy, uh, beer in particular, Radio Bruce uses a podcast for you. Keep up the good work. Tim, oh, he's from sydneybeer.com.au. So, uh, a- a- another industry person. So, thank you, Tim. Uh, five stars, can't go past for beer news. Empty Thomas, a great podcast to keep you across the news in the Australian beer scene. Good analysis and interviews with a range of relevant industry guests. Looking forward to every episode. Keep it up, guys. So, there you go, Prof. Um, there we go. We've got fans. It's Good to see. We, yeah, we, we do have fans. So uh, that was nice. Still no one phoned. Um, the, the, the number is on the website. I won't read it out again because it is pointless if you're doing your run. But jump on the website and please do uh, leave us a recorded message and uh, we'll play it and people can actually hear your dulcet tones rather than me reading it out um, with my own inflection. Or,
1: or you can just like leave, leave us a voicemail kind of um, thing for somebody you want us to speak to or um, a topic that you'd like discussed.
0: Yeah, yeah, or I may mean, even just record something and uh, send it as an email file and we'll cut it into, and our producer, Lockie, will cut into the show. Um, mate, anything else before we, we, we go out? You've got a couple of festivals coming up.
1: Uh, yeah. yeah, getting into sort of the end of the, the festival season while well, the weather's nice down here. So Geelong this weekend and um, a couple of weekends after in, into March we've got uh, Bendigo. Uh, um, so two very uh, uh, growing regional areas for... Um, for- Craft beer, which is good.
0: Excellent. Um, one thing I will do a shout out for our Sydney listeners. I know there are a few of you. Sunday the thirteenth uh, of March uh, in the week leading to the uh, IBD conference in Melbourne, which I would encourage all homebrewers, uh, all craft brewers, to uh, look at attending. They've got a special deal for craft brewers um, for the Monday, Tuesday, and they've got craft beer sessions. Um, very much uh, so looking at the the quality of beer but Sunday the 13th before it all kicks off Charlie Bamforth who is the president of the IBD um, is going to be in Sydney and uh, wants to catch up with us at the pub so we're just finalizing the details and where it will be but it'll be the evening he's got a luncheon engagement but then he's going to head over to the pub and uh, have a few beers uh, podcast from the
1: pub with the professor
0: Exactly, but um, uh, with two professors. Oh yeah, yeah, well, one real. Um, but <laughs>
1: Matt, you did you you said in Melbourne? It's, it is actually in. Oh, in Sydney. The Sorry, the conference is in Sydney.
0: Sorry, I was thinking it could be a week. So it, scratch that. It is in Sydney, and uh, we're looking at recording somewhere around Darlinghurst, so nice and central. But keep that Sunday evening locked in the diary, um, and we might even have a chat to the lads at Inebriation Nation and see if they'll uh, you know run the sound for us. So. <laughs> Josh, but Consider consider that a uh there'll be beer and pies in it. For there there will be there'll absolutely be beers in it. So uh but keep that. But otherwise, Prof. Um, mate, great to chat. Um, next week we do have a uh interview lined up and you are free. And I'm just reaching for my book. Mate, have you heard of Bronze Brews? I have not. It is a new book. It just I, I was surprised. Um, received no media release about it. It just crept up in my um feed my facebook feed last week and it straight away sounded interesting because it's a book uh, very much close to our heart Um, it is about home brewing old australian beers and it's a fellow by the name of peter simons who's an accomplished home brewer um, has done lots of research into old australian uh, brewing recipes Um, and very much in the along the lines of ron pattinson who is uh, I'm trying to think he's uh, shut up about yeah, Barclay Perkins yeah. blog and he's written, actually written a forward for it at last was my reaction when Peter told me of his projects and research I won't have to do myself and it finishes with for me the history of Australian beer is like an alternate history it's what could have happened to beer in Britain had circumstances been slightly different which is why this book is so fascinating like a long what if a book I'm proud to have in hand albeit in a very small way to have had a hand in not have in hand although you should have it in hand as well um, so I jumped online, uh, got in touch with, uh, but, and it is a fan. It, I haven't worked my way through it yet, but it sounds like a really, really good book. Um, I have had, I did have some trouble buying it um, on the website, but I'm not sure why that was. Um, but search for it, Bronze Brews Home Brewing Old Australian Beers. We'll definitely put a link on when we speak to Peter next week, um, but uh, definitely brings out our you know, love of Australian beer and brewing history and untold uh, Australian beer tales. So it will be a a, a wonderful episode. We look at doing next week, Prof. Look forward to it. Let's strike up the beat.